Hello, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom, and joining me this week, I'm sad to say, is absolutely nobody. Indeed, I am what you could describe as a single rider this week. No Josh, unfortunately, he is unavailable for recording this week. But I thought I would try and crank out an episode and just see how it goes. So if you're a returning listener... Thanks very much for coming back. If you're new to Park Rush, then welcome along. So what the plan is, is because, in fairness, it's been something of a slow news week as far as Thing Park stuff goes, not just in terms of hard news, but even speculation. There was some interesting stuff that you might have seen discussed on various Thing Park YouTube channels and other podcasts, notably about um, a potential ride system for the Super Mario Kart ride that is confirmed to be being built at the various Nintendo lands that Universal Studios is working on at the moment. But we actually touched on that briefly in last week's episode, but we were very much focused on the Galaxy's Edge announcements that also came sort of around the same time as that IAPA event. Other than the Mario Kart stuff, there hasn't been a a great deal in kind of the theme park zeitgeist this week, not a, a great deal of discussion points. And so with me being by myself and there not being a lot of news, you might be wondering, what, what, what are you doing here? But something we like to do on the show is a sort of topic of the week where we take something that isn't necessarily on the news agenda and just talk about it. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe I could do something like that this week. And so I am going to do it. And it's going to be quite personal to me. And I'm just going to talk about five theme park rides that no longer exist that I particularly loved and miss, each of their own ways. Obviously, the very nature of being a theme park fan is that you can't really afford to become too attached to any one attraction in particular, because the way of the world when it comes to theme parks, especially in the last, it feels like anyway, 10 years or so, competition is intense. People are constantly trying to one-up one another when it comes to the new rides. And inevitably, that means that older rides are going to be knocked down and replaced. Um, So I've pulled up five that I'm going to talk about and I've tried to spread them out across multiple theme parks. There is going to be some slight bias towards Florida as you might expect but I've also um, picked two out from the UK. I thought let's let's bring it home, let's bring it home because we are, we do heavily lean towards Florida as I think every theme park podcast in the world is going to do because that is I think the home of theme parks it would be fair to say but um, UK it's where we're from it's where we're based so uh, I thought I'd chuck in a few UK theme park references and you know what you know what I'm going to start in the UK I'm going to start with what is one of my earliest ever theme park memories and that is going to Chessington World of Adventures if you are perhaps stateside and judging by our SoundCloud statistics there's a good chance that you may well be. Chessington is a theme park and also a zoo in a place called Chessington here in the UK. It's not a million miles away from central London so it's a it's a very old park it's it's been open I think for getting on for 80 90 years. It started life as uh, just a zoo and then became more of a theme park as time has gone on. It's not somewhere I've been for an awfully long time. It does definitely skew a lot younger. Uh, like, I think it's fair to say quite a, a lot of the theme parks do here. I think when you think of the, the the theme parks that have some weight around the world in terms of name recognition, Legoland, and stuff like Thought Park and Alton Towers is, is where kind of the bigger rides tend to be. But Chessington is a great place to go. 
um, if you've got small kids, if you're a family. And um, one of my, as I said, earliest memories when it came to Chessington specifically was of a ride that is no longer there. And I remember finding out about the fact that it was no longer there um, because uh, some cousins, uh, or a cousin of mine who has kids, was going to Chessington last year and I was looking through um, their Facebook photo album at the time. Uh, this was in December last year, just before Christmas, so around this time, in fact, last year. And what was apparent to me was that the Dragon Falls was shut uh, the Dragon Falls is a is a log flume ride, or was a log flume ride, and it was old. It was old, and I and um, I couldn't claim to have told you exactly how old it was. But there's this website called Wikipedia, which I highly recommend, and it turns out it opened in 1987, which was uh, well almost six years, in fact, before I was even born. But the, the, what I seem to remember, be, uh, the, what I seem to remember that was so brilliant about this ride, or why I loved it so much, was that the theming was really quite excellent. It's not something you necessarily associate with uh, UK theme parks, is is even though it's in the name, is the theming. Um, you, you you think of of a lot of theme parks here being uh, quite a few steps below what you expect out of the sort of world class. Uh, destinations that you have certainly in the US but also now in the in the far east and the theming on this was actually very good it was it was very mystical as the name implies dragons were a big part of it but there was also a lot of um it played on the on tigers a bit as well they had tigers at Chessington in the in the zoo section of the park it no longer exists it, it's it's kind of sad because i remember obviously when you look back on it I would have been even smaller than I am now, and I remember it being quite a significant drop. I'm not, you know, I'm not talking like Jurassic Park levels when it comes to water ride drops, but for a park that skewed skews towards kids, um, I think it's more more about entertaining kids than thrilling kids when it comes to theme parks. You know, you, you there's a fine line I think, and it's quite easy to overstep. If you're trying to thrill a child on a ride, it's very easy to step into towards territory where it becomes too scary or too intense. But I have quite a vivid memory of the drop seeming large and scary. And um, there's a great picture I have from the Jurassic Park River Adventure, uh, Islands of Adventure, um, where uh, of me, I think probably about seven years old. Uh, at the point where the photo gets taken, obviously, um, and my head is just burrowed into my dad, absolutely terrified of what's happening. And I like to think that sh uh, if a photo of me on Dragon Falls existed at what would have been an even younger age, uh, it would have been very much the same. I would have been burrowed into whoever I was sitting next to. But it's gone now. Um, it, it shut, in fact. So the the photo that revealed to me that it was no longer there um, it turns out it had only shut uh, quite recently before that picture was taken. Um, so the ride was closed on the 10th of September 2017. So was the nearby Peking Heights Ferris wheel. Um, and it's to be replaced by something called Tiger Rock, um, which, to be honest, it sounds like it's more of a re-theme than an actual sort of new, uh, entirely new ride. So, you know... Uh, maybe if I really want a nostalgia trip, uh, Tiger Rock will do it for me anyway. <laughs> I don't know. But um, as I said earlier, I seem to remember there being some some Tiger 
theming, some target imagery going on on the ride originally anyway. So I guess they're just tapping more into that. I guess interesting. Um, I suppose the way of the world now, tigers will soon be the kids of tomorrow, or to the kids of tomorrow, tigers will be just as mystical as dragons, I think is the sad reality of of life. But Dragon Falls, I'm sure, would have been one of the first rides of this type that I'd ever done. And um, so I thought I should talk about it, really. Let's stick to water theming, but we'll talk about a ride that I think everyone listening to this is surely familiar with, and that's Jaws, the ride. I couldn't do a list of five old rides that I'm sad about closing without talking about Jaws, which is an absolute classic, and I know if Josh was here, he would 100% be championing Jaws as well. Jaws is something I'm really torn on because it is it was brilliant. It was an absolutely brilliant ride, and actually something I didn't realise um, until quite recently was... Uh, just how incredible an operation it was from day one. There's a fantastic YouTube channel I highly recommend. It's called Theme Park History. It's uh, it's all about former rides uh, at theme parks, rides that are no longer around. And, and to be fair, that uh, me discovering that YouTube channel a few weeks ago definitely inspired me to to want to record a, a similar podcast. And, and they talk in great detail about the history of Jaws and how it was an absolute nightmare when the park first opened and how there were regular problems with it and it was closed almost as often as it was open and running smoothly. You have to remember there were so many moving parts when it came to Jaws. There was, you know, it was it was a big ride that took up a lot of space. You had the, obviously the boat itself, which was being driven by a live actor who had to work in tandem with um, not just the incredible animatronic shark, but also timed explosions that would happen. And the route the, bo- the boat took was, you know, pretty sophisticated. You had that fantastic section where you go into sort of, you know, the boat house and the shark batters in and it goes on fire and it's absolutely crazy. Just an incredible ride. And I think, you know, represented really universal uh, you know that to me was Universal Studios. Um, the first time I would have gone would have been late nineties, so sort of ninety eight ish, I guess, ninety nine maybe. And so you know, Jaws was never a ride that had a, a a great height restriction, so you could go on it as a five year old kid. You'd probably be square, scared witless, and that's certainly my memory of it. Going on it for the first time as a sort of six year old, being really quite terrified of it all. It was loud. Obviously, the shark was really terrifying. You had the heat from the fire. You had you had a good skipper um, who was getting really into the role that would add to the intensity of it as well obviously they'd ham it up but I I, I thought the the guys that struck the best balance between hamming it up but also playing up the danger of there being a shark ramming into your boat was uh, that was when the ride was at its best for me but it's yeah I I highly recommend going back and and listening to that theme park history or watching that theme park history episode on YouTube Um, because as it turns out the ride did actually shut not long after the park opened and they did quite a lot of work to just make the ride more efficient I suppose and more reliable even after that it was a ride that would regularly have to be shut down it you know whenever it needed maintenance or cleaning it would be a huge operation that would require the ride to be closed for long periods and I think in the back end of it there there was a period perhaps in the late sort of noughties or early 2010s where it was shut for long periods in the year and would only open in sort of very busy seasons and I think that eventually changed so it was open again all year round but you know you had that you had King Kong you had Back to the Future 
you're a twister. These were the kinds of things you, you, you didn't see at Disney. It kind of made Universal stand on its own two feet. But the, the thing I loved about those rides was that, yeah, you were riding the movies, but they also had this kind of wink and a nod. It was as if you were riding the movies, but also kind of experiencing the process of making a movie. It was kind of a nice balance between, you know, you're in the movie and you're on the set of the movie. Whereas I think stuff like the Harry Potter rides, which have become, I suppose, the standard going forward for Universal Creative, they're very much about, no, you're just in the film. You are in this movie, not on the set or whatever. That's why that's one of the reasons I love The Mummy so much, actually, is that it's got kind of one foot in the past in terms of this is a sort of movie set experience but it's got you know the bells and whistles and the, the great effects and the intensity um of, of a more modern universal ride but of course jaws is gone and the reason i have mixed feelings about it is because you can't argue with it with what's replaced it really i mean the the, the harry potter land for lack of a better word at universal florida is incredible it's a it's a master class of of theming of set design the the London frontage is brilliant as someone who's from that parish um walking up through the the King's Cross station is 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 kind of surreal the first time I did it was kind of crazy you know it's the type of thing where you 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 snap a few pictures and put them on Instagram and don't don't reveal exactly where you are and just claim to be in London and on first glance people would probably be wouldn't bat an eyelid and be like oh yeah taking pictures of his commute whatever that's how authentic it is and um but obviously once you go through into Diagon Alley it's incredible and some of some of the best photos I've ever taken at a theme park have been in Diagon Alley walking through there and looking straight ahead and seeing Gringotts with the dragon up above and if you time it brilliantly and it's shooting fire and it's it's fantastic it feel it really does arguably more than any other theme park land um again for lack of a better word that I can think of it really does feel like you've just walked into the film and you know the Gringotts rides has it has its detractors I don't think it's as good as the forbidden journey but it's it's cool and well for me the best thing about them having two harry potter lands is the train between them is uh is a joy every time so yeah i can't really argue with what they replaced jaws with but there's no doubt in my mind that jaws is still i'll never quite get over jaws being gone Jaws is a fantastic ride and I need to get myself to Universal Japan because that's the only place left with a Jaws ride and you'd have to imagine that will soon go as well so I need to get myself over there basically. Let's jump back to the UK now and um, we're going to do another ride that is from a period of my childhood is a bit strange so we're going to Legoland Windsor now which hasn't actually got a whole lot of former rides. Legoland isn't a particularly ride-centric park so there's not a lot it's not like they've ever had loads of rides that have had you know to be closed in the first place. Place. But one of the ones that they have closed is uh, the creatively named uh, Jungle Coaster. There's a funny story about the Jungle Coaster, and this is the reason it's on this list for me, is that this would have been probably when I was maybe 10, 11 or something like that. And um, me and my sister had a childminder at the time uh, who looked after us when we got home from school. And her husband worked in like a, in, in like this, this is going to sound dumb because I don't know exactly a better way to describe this, but the sound industry. And in the case of Jungle Coaster, he was actually brought in um, as a sort of investigator, for lack of a better word, that's definitely not the right word. But basically to, to go on the ride and make sure that it was, that the noise levels were not going to be too high because Legoland Windsor, where it is, 
um, there are people that live pretty nearby. And so, uh, you know, you install a roller coaster, there's a very good chance that people living nearby are just going to constantly be hearing it throughout the whole day. So he needed to go, or he was uh, assigned to go to Legoland and go on this ride and basically file a report on the noise level and whether or not he felt it was going to be an issue. And we got to go. Um, he brought us all along. Um, so my childminder and her and their daughter and me and my sister, and we all went for free. It was great. And um, we got to go on this jungle coaster. And it was like a, uh, it was, I think they call them like mouse roller coasters where you have like two in the front, two in the back, really small little cars, almost look like sofas or something. They, they kind of look like the, uh, the, the the classic Disney family ride vehicle, you know, your Snow White, your uh, Pinocchio, your... And um, it's all about, it sort of goes up quite high, but there's not really any steep drops or anything. It's more about tight turns, really, and it kind of... Um, it, it makes you feel like you might be flung off the edge of the track, quite frankly. That's kind of where the thrill comes. And um, so I have uh, the, the closest, actually, before I move on, the closest point of comparison I can think of is um, Cheetah Chase at Bush Gardens, which I think is now called something else because when Cheetah Hunt opened, they changed it to maybe serpent something to do with a serpent i think it, i think you if you've been to bush gardens you probably know what i'm trying to remember here but jungle coaster was of that ilk and it's now gone and uh, the reason it's now gone is because it was too noisy so um clearly the uh, inspection that technically i was part of was not did not turn up the required results and uh, um, I'm just reading now on a, a Lego wiki which is great about uh, the Jungle Coaster so it was closed in 2009 at the end of 2009 so it opened to the public in 2004 so that would have been when I went to test it and at the time I would have been about yeah about 10 11 11 in fact and yeah so closed at the end of 2009 so pretty short shelf life really for a for what was billed as a pretty state-of-the-art roller coaster, Legoland, as I said, doesn't have many rides, and it certainly doesn't have many roller coasters. It has one that is uh, dragon-themed, and I guess it's kind of flying unicorn-esque, if I can use another point of comparison from Florida. But according to this entry on Brickopedia, as I said, neighbours of the park were complaining about the noise generated by the ride and also the screams of the riders. Legoland apparently then put a hood onto the cars to kind of try and drown out the noise made by the riders and it worked to an extent but because it increased the weight of the cars it meant that they could uh, uh, load fewer passengers into each car so reduced capacity meant more you know longer loading times and longer queues and that seems to be uh, part of the reason why it shut Um, however in a bizarre twist it apparently is open at Legoland Florida presumably um, exactly the same ride. So there you go, the Jungle Coaster at Legoland Windsor. Uh, a strange slice of theme park history for you there. Uh, I've got two more rides that I would uh, like to talk to you about that are no longer in existence, both in Florida, both though very, very different from one another. But before we do that, I'm going to take a very quick break. I'll be right back. So here on the Jack Fielder Show, I've come up with just a few pointers and a few tips for my train etiquette. Here we go. So first up, and I kind of feel like this is just a general thing for life, but can we just watch on the hygiene front? I was getting on the train one day when it's pretty ramo anyway, so it's like you're in a tin of sardines, everyone's that close up. 
the guy standing in front of me. Oh my! Oh, oh, I thought I was gonna be sick. Oh. He stank and had the audacity to then try and change his jumper when there is no bloody room to do it. So just bear that in mind, everyone. At least try and have a shower before you leave. It would be much appreciated. Another one which is a bugbear of everybody's is being on the phone when you're on the train. You know, if it's an emergency or something like that, that's absolutely fine. You know, you've got to take that call. But if you are going to have a phone conversation about just something a bit more mundane, either have it quietly on the phone, just talk sensibly, or just say, can I give you a call back when I'm off the train? I don't need to know about how Linda's decorating is going on. Oh, has she got the wallpaper up? Oh, that is, that is nice. I don't care! I do not care! Hello, welcome back to the Park Rush podcast. What you just listened to there was an excerpt from the Jack Fielder show. Jack is a good friend of the show here and he has his own online radio show and you can find him on Mixcloud. Uh, his address there is mixcloud.com slash the Jack Fielder show. It's kind of a general topical uh, news show, I think is the best way of describing it, but uh, really good fun. Um, when he posts a new episode on there. So once again, it's mixcloud.com slash the Jack Fielder Show. If you enjoyed that little excerpt of Jack talking about train etiquette, um, then uh, do go and have a listen to some of his previous episodes. Before that break, I did mention that there are two more rides that I wanted to talk about that are no longer in existence, both in Florida, but both at different parks. Uh, we'll start with Bush Gardens, uh, Guazi is the one I wanted to talk about, uh, which is a strange one because Guazi, I think, still stands but has been shut now for a couple of years. The reason Guazi has sort of a special place in my heart is because Bush Gardens is obviously renowned for its roller coasters. It's got some fantastic, intense, extreme roller coasters. Start, uh, you know, newer stuff like Cheetah Hunt and Sheep Crow, so you know, classics at this point like Kumba and Montu, and Guazi definitely fell into the classic camp. And the reason it's so special to me is because when I first went to Bush Gardens, I was, I think, too short, genuinely, for a couple of the big rides, but also would have just been too scared to go on them anyway. Uh, but Guazi was one I could handle, and so I was kind of like, it was a, it was a badge of honour for me. Like, ah, oh, because Bush Gardens considered Guazi to be one of their big guns and they had a range of merchandise were had the tag defy the five so you know you've ridden all five of our big roller coasters good job and Guazi was one of the five so I could genuinely say to myself when I rode Guazi as an aged you know as a 10 year old kid oh I've been on one of their big ones awesome aren't I brave but man uh, I think it's considered one of their big intense ones for kind of different reasons so the other ones like Kumbur and Montu are just genuinely intense rides they are fast they are long they go upside down they twist and turn there's corkscrews the whole shebang Guazi doesn't have any of that really it's not it doesn't go upside down you know it has lap bars uh, there are some, you know, good G's, some good drops and some and some good banked turns as well. But the reason I think it's so intense is just because of its wooden nature. It is made of wood and it is old. And so it rattled like crazy to the point of discomfort, quite frankly. And it became almost like self-harm. 
um, especially in its later years. Whenever we went to Bushgarns, we we would all sort of look at ourselves as we were walking past Guazi, as if to say, I don't want to go on that. It It's unpleasant, but we all just did anyway out of a sense of obligation more than ev- more than anything. And every time we'd all come off it, rubbing our necks and patting ourselves on the back and well we wouldn't pat ourselves because that would just hurt so we'd, we'd rub our backs as well and our heads would be sort of rattled and you'd just feel very unpleasant and so I can't really argue with the decision to close it it as I said by the end had become an unpleasant experience it, it was the total antithesis of cheetah hunt which is perhaps the smoothest roller coaster I've ever been on. And it's brilliant, by the way, if you've not been to Bush Gardens since it opened. I think it opened, must have been at least four years ago now, to be fair. But if you haven't been to Bush Gardens in, in you know, in the last four or five years, um, next time you go, Cheetah Hunt is truly tremendous. Just the, the route the roller coaster takes is is great. It's a wonderfully designed track that has some really great scenery. Guazi was the complete opposite. Uh, it was just a big wooden mass. And of course, because it was a dueling coaster, there was you know double the amount of wood that there otherwise would have been. And and because of how much it rattled, it did genuinely feel like uh, screws could come loose in important places and the whole thing could collapse at any moment. So as I say, not a surprise that it eventually closed. Uh, an honourable mention for another Bush Gardens ride before I move on to my actual fifth pick. And this is a ride that I never went on because it, by the time it shut, I had never got tall enough to go on it. But I, this, there's a story associated with this ride, Python, which um, this probably says a lot about me. I find it hilarious. Python had a, uh, much like the Defy, Defy the Five tag, there was another sort of boast that was used in merchandise but specific to python and it was i rode the python and lived the python was a roller coaster i think it was best i think it's sort of uh trademark feature was this kind of triple loop that it had so it would go into three uh loops in extremely quick succession back to back as you could probably guess where this is going some poor soul did go on python and uh and not not make it and so that 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 particular slogan was um was swiftly dropped uh that's a, i i am a big theme park trivia guy inevitably it's in a lot of it's going to fall by the wayside and you're not going to remember it all that one i think has stuck with me for years and um yeah i can't help but giggle about it and Maybe that says more about me. My final actual choice is from the Magic Kingdom, and it is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Again, a very specific personal story as to why Mr. Toad's Wild Ride has such a special place in my heart. Um, It was a classic Disney dark ride with the same kind of vehicle that all their family dark rides have, two in the front, two in the back, going through the story of Mr. Toad. But it had a wheel. Uh, so one of the one of the people in the front row could sit where the wheel was and they could pretend to be driving the car. Um, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride shut a long time ago, so I only ever I only ever rode it as a small. I could well have only ever been on it once. Um, my first trip to Florida was that was the summer of nineteen ninety eight. 
It opened in October 1971. Anyway, so there's a point in Mr. Toad's Wild Ride where you drive through a wall which collapses or, you know, appears to collapse or break open or whatever. You drive through a wall. Because I was at the wheel, um, my dad managed to convince me afterwards that I had actually been driving and was responsible for smashing the vehicle into the wall. I believed it. I mean, I also used to believe that the world actually was black and white once because of old family photos. I was a naive child that was easily fooled. So, when we returned to the Magic Kingdom in what would have been the summer of 1999, and Mr Toad's Wild Rider was shut, my dad managed to convince me that because I had driven through the wall, it was all my fault, and that I had broken Mr Toad's Wild Ride, and that Disney had therefore had to close it. As I said, I was easily fooled, I was naive, and I believed it, and I was devastated that I had been the one responsible for the closure of what I remember being one uh, or what I remember being a ride that I really enjoyed and as a five-year-old at the time or what I might have been yeah four or five-year-old at the time you can't go on every ride even at Disney World you're not going to be big enough so you cherish every one that you can go on and so for Mr Toad to emerge as one of my favorites it was of course going to hold a special place in my heart and so to be told that I had caused it to close was uh, was devastating. It, it's it's just you know it's got that classic Disney feel I suppose, and uh, it'll be interesting. I, you know I think those Fantasyland dark rides are still very very popular, but you know because they're all so similar and also uh, you know follow so much of the same layout, have the same pattern and everything. Um, as Winnie the Pooh proved, it is very easy to just read theme them. And so you wonder how, you know, what the legs are like on some of the ones that are that are there now. It'll be interesting to see if any of them are ever replaced in the same way. Obviously, they, they did their big Fantasyland revamp a few years ago. So it would seem unlikely that there's another one in the offing anytime soon. But yeah, fond memories of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and the fact that I thought I had caused it to shut. <laughs> uh Obviously, there have been way more examples of theme park rides that have shut over the years, theme park rides that were held close um, to people's hearts. I've mentioned some of them here, you know, King Kong and Back to the Future, for example, at Universal. If you would like to let us know what some of your favourite rides from years gone by are, please do let us know. It would be brilliant. We'd love to hear from you. We're all over the social medias now. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Our account name across all of those platforms is Park Rush Podcast. You can also email us. It's podcast at parkrush.com, I believe. Um, Josh isn't here to <laughs> confirm that. Um, so you can also email us at parkrushpodcast at gmail.com. I believe they all end up in the same place anyway, uh, the emails to those addresses thanks very much for listening it's been a strange show but i was committed to continuing our streak of getting one out every sunday we'll be back next week with a trip report from universal studios singapore um is a, a trip i recently went on and josh is going to quiz me on it so that should be good fun 
And then after that, we're hoping to be back uh, to normal. Hopefully there'll be some, some good news on the agenda to see us through a standard episode. And then we're right coming up close to Christmas. So uh, exciting times. Uh, again, thanks very much for listening. Um, subscribe, please, if you enjoyed this one. Um, you can subscribe to us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And um, you can find us on all the major podcasting apps beyond those two as well. SoundCloud too, of course. We're at Park Rush on there. Thanks very much for listening again. Until next time, take it easy. Goodbye. Goodbye.